Welcome to the Lumpen Week in Review, the show that covers the past week of news, happenings, and programs presented on Lumpen Radio. This week, we learn about testing for COVID-19, the federal response to the pandemic, and the lessons of the failure of the Bernie Sanders campaign. All this, plus the Trump Diaries, Size Matters, and AWCY-FM, only on the Lumpen Week in Review for May 1st, 2020. Mario Smith chatted with Dr. Jeffrey Sterling about how COVID-19 is affecting communities of color. With a death rate at some 70% here in Chicago, Sterling explains that testing is a must and argues the entire healthcare system must pivot to a more holistic model post-pandemic. News from the service entrance with Mario Smith airs every Thursday at 2 p.m. Joining us uh, via Skype is Dr. Jeffrey Sterling, MD. Dr. Sterling is the president and chief executive officer of Sterling Initiatives. He is a uh, public health pioneer and the best-selling author of There Are 72 Hours in a Day Using Efficiency to Better Enjoy Every Part of Your Life. Dr. Sterling, how you doing? I'm doing fantastic. As long as I'm safe and we're able to save a few lives, it's a good day. It, absolutely. And with that in mind, uh, Jamie Trecker and I want to ask you some questions and get right to it because we know your time is, is very valuable. Um, first, one of the reasons I wanted you on is because I needed to hear it from a doctor that would be able to speak to the community that I represent. And that community is people who may or may not watch the news, <laughs> who may or may not be fully informed, but need to know these things because they're in certain circles in life where, where they're out and about and they can't help but be out and about or they have families, et cetera. And we all want to be safe during this time. Um, my first question is a very, very personal question. I saw a videotape of the coronavirus test being administered. Can you tell me, and for the uninitiated, that test, it, it includes a, a swab, a very big Q-tip, if you will, that goes directly into your nasal cavity in the upper reaches of your imagination. Is there any chance that there will be a different sort of test administered in short order so people who may be afraid to take that test will have an opportunity to take something a little bit more uh, assuring or reassuring? Oh, wow. Um, let me just start by invalidating the entire premise of that question. Um, you know, in emergency medicine, we always tell people don't let a potential side effect get in the way of addressing a life threat. Mm. Um, that The way you described that nasal swab was so dramatic and not not at all inaccurate, but it's it's such a small price to pay for what we're getting back in return. It's just going to cause a little itch in the upper reaches of your nares. And um, the trouble with worrying about a more convenient uh, mode of testing you is something that I would just beg people, not even implore, I would just beg people, don't let that disincentivize you from going out and getting the care that you need. Because the truth of the matter is that if you allow something like that, the discomfort of that type of test to prevent you from getting tested, all you're really doing is putting yourself at risk for something that is out to kill you. And I want to be clear about that in the most emphatic way. This virus is literally trying to kill you. So please, let's not be distracted by the... This is kind of like men talking about not wanting to have prostate examinations done. It's quite analogous, actually. Yes, right. I am not trying to say it's not uncomfortable, but please, um, if you are, are at all at risk, as we are, as your audience is then please put that aside and let's go ahead and get tested. And over time, if something more convenient comes along, beautiful. But for now, please, let's not uh, make that a bigger deal than it actually is, no pun intended. 
No doubt, and and it, and it's it's a legit question because people are, when they see that it's it's alarming if you haven't seen it already. And and I'm I'm glad you said it in the way that you did. Perfect. Uh, again, everybody, men and women, don't be afraid to get the test. You're going to save your life if you get the test. Um, one of the other things that that uh, we've been told to wash our hands, wear a mask, um, the six feet rule, and then there's there's certain aspects of the six feet rule that come into question about maybe it's more than six feet that we need to 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 be apart from each other as it stands today what do we need to do to one prevent if we can and two once we have established this six foot rule are we really within it are we are we good with the six feet well once again everyone started learning about this virus at the same time this is quite unique um, in our history and that the science isn't ahead of public awareness so as we're, we can talk about a million different diseases, and we can tell you that the body of knowledge is, is established and we can talk about this and so and be very precise. This disease came out about a couple of months ago mm -hmm. and there hasn't been the body of medical research and science that can answer all of those questions to a, a degree of medical certainty. So this is more about best practices than it is medical certainty. It's about risk reduction more than it is completely eradicating these things. So the point of the matter is that it's safe to say that six feet is better than four feet is better than two feet, period. Right. The long and short of it is that, you know, if you do the things that you were taught as a kid, um, wash your hands, um, cover your, your mouth when you sneeze, um, use disinfectants on the surfaces, that gets you 95% of the way there. And there's a million, a million pieces of minutiae that we can talk about that are nowhere near as important as those most fundamental considerations that um, everyone here has heard millions of times already. Wash your hands, um, cover your mouth, um, and, and engage in social distancing. Test, test, test. If there is a test available to you, go and get it. We need to quantify the extent of this disease before we can effectively get at it and stay at home. This really isn't that hard. It's not about planting seeds across a broad field as much as it is drilling deep on a couple of very simple considerations. If I've been staying home for three, this is a question from a listener. If I've been staying home for the last three months, I haven't really been outside except to get mail and maybe go to the store. Do I need to take a test? Yes, absolutely. All right. All right. Once again, the, the situation in front of you is that any test is just a spot check. So if I am negative today, then I still could be positive tomorrow. The point of the matter is that we need to quantify the extent of the disease, not only for ourselves, but those um, for whom we'll come into contact. So you've been negative in your example for a couple of months, and that's a beautiful thing. But if you're planning on entering back into the workspace, we need to quantify where you are right now. The purpose of you staying at home all those months was just to beat down the amount of virus that's in the environment to get us past things. Doc, let me ask you a quick question. I mean, let's just say that I'm positive for COVID-19 and I recover. There's been a lot of talk about whether those people can return to the workplace and possibly not get reinfected. Can you tell us if that's true or not or what we can expect from people who have recovered from coronavirus? That's, that's, very, that's a great question, and that's consistent with what I said in answer to an earlier question. Part of the wickedness of this disease is that it's a new animal. Historically, you would have gotten a test on the back end called an antibody test, and that would suggest that you've been infected, you've, your body has 
your body's immune system has developed antibodies that can effectively beat back the disease in the event that it's trying to represent. That's the past history of the antibody test. The positive test actually says that you are immune. Well, there's been literature, again, where this research is evolving in a real time right in front of us. And one of the things about this disease that is unprecedented is that even if you've developed those antibodies, researchers are still discovering the presence of virus in your nares, your nostrils, for about 21 days after. We don't know at this point in time if that's just what's called viral shredding, remnants of the virus, and we don't know if the presence of the virus in your nostrils indicates an ongoing ability to um, transmit the disease to someone else. But that's not the type of thing that we've seen in other diseases once you develop an immune response and you have antibodies. So at this point in time, the answer to the question is you don't have that degree of certainty all that the antibody tests are telling you at present is that, yes, you have been infected, and yes, your body is able to muster an immune, an, an immune response. What it doesn't tell you is that you're unable to transmit that disease to anyone else. And the second part of your question is, does it mean that you can get infected again? Well, think about the flu. The flu comes around and affects people every year and has been doing so for over 100 years. These viruses mutate, they change, they come in different strains. So today's COVID-19 might not be next year's COVID-20, or it might not even be next year's COVID-19, because these viruses are fighting back. They're mutating in real time, they're developing strains, and we just don't know. There's so many questions about this disease that are going to be answered when the fall comes, and as research actually drills down on the properties of this virus that we really didn't know anything about until just a couple of months ago. So, Dr. Sterling, are we, or is the medical community, um, even though, yes, our knowledge is limited about, I say our, like I'm a doctor, the knowledge is limited about COVID-19, but we're gaining knowledge. We're learning something new every day from it. Do you anticipate that we'll have a better picture? Um, and I, I realize the more you learn, the more you know. But I mean, are we getting closer, you think, to being able to really identify the way this thing is moving around? Well, every day we get closer, but this isn't a relative consideration. There is an absolute need to have a certain set of things happen. And see, this is where we're going to get ourselves in trouble. And this is something that the community needs to understand. This is not a game. This is, this is serious, folks. Uh, COVID-19 is literally trying to wipe us out. And I'm not being, I'm not overstating that in the least. If you go back to what influenza, the same influenza that we're dealing with all year, every year, um, not literally all year, but most of the year, every year. If you go back to 1918, tens of millions of people were killed around the world by this disease. And in 1918, when that first wave hit, it was horrible. But guess what happened in 1919? It got even worse. So mm. that pandemic was much worse in the subsequent fall than it was in the first year of its presentation. That is what we're confronted with here. The issue that we're dealing with with COVID-19 is that if we don't tap this down, just think about rungs on a ladder. We're trying desperately to get this down to the bottom rung so that when the next respiratory season comes upon us sometime in the fall, that we're starting from ground zero. If we don't do a good job of staying at home and letting this thing whittle away, and if we launch this thing in the fall from the third rung, we're going to be in trouble. And we're not only going to be in trouble because of the disease itself, but as I mentioned, the flu is still out there. So imagine, if you will, this thing in tandem with influenza, both of which are lowering our immunity 
uh, it, it, it potentially could be devastating. So the concerns that we really should be having are, yes, it can kill you today, but we're really setting ourselves up for a horrible situation come fall. And this is why it's just so critical that we stop being the equivalent of spoiled brats and saying, I want to be comfortable. I want to go outside and play. I want to go to the beach. I want to go to the golf course. I want to get my hair and nails done and realize that this stuff is serious. And it is if at the end of the day, this doesn't kill the million people that it could have. We need to say job well done instead of saying that people overreacted because there's precedent in human history where viruses exactly like this literally took us out and were trying to take us out. That's what we're being confronted with. Jerry Mead Lucero chatted with Moisha Zavala about organizing in the age of the pandemic. Zavala of the UFCW talks about the Raimondo Foods workers walkout and adds new insight into how cannabis workers are starting to organize in Illinois. Labor Express airs every Sunday at 8 o'clock. I talked to Moises about the walkout last Monday. Forgive me, it was a Friday that the workers uh, decided to um, to not go into the facility and and. And, and stay home because the company had people working in the facility even though they were sick. Um, one, one, of our, one of our leaders actually complained to the managers. He said, you know what, I cannot work here because I am sick and I'm coughing and, uh, and, 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 I, and I have to stay away. I have to uh, take care of myself. Well, she was threatened that if uh, she... Uh, left uh, sick, she would get fired. So those were some of the things that we were hearing from employees on, on how the company was reacting. Well, the day that these workers walked out, uh, they walked out because the company actually told them, you know what, there, were, there was somebody that tested positive for COVID-19. Now, what really upset the workers is that they had seen this person uh, working sick, ill, with the fever, uh, and this person was, you know, all throughout the, the facility. And, and, and these workers were really upset because, you know, they were having lunch with this person and going on break and being in this close proximity after they were insisting to the company that workers that were sick needed to stay home. So the workers then took it upon themselves to, uh, to walk out and, uh, the, the day before they walked out, the, the union um, uh, delivered a, a letter demanding that these workers 
get paid a hazard pay uh, of at least $2 an hour, um, respect the social distancing because the company wasn't respecting uh, the distance. Um, people on the line could stretch out their arm and, 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 and uh, touch the other person. That's, that's how the, the, the proximity of, of how these workers were, were working. Um, and these are uh, strong, hardworking uh, uh, individuals that um, are, are not afraid to work. Um, they, 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 they actually like what they do and, and they like to, uh, to work with the people that they're uh, working with, but they, they saw that the company needed to respond to this, uh, to this crisis. And, uh, since they didn't respond, uh, since the company didn't respond, well, then the workers had to, uh, make the decision and move and pressure the company into, uh, taking things serious. So they, they walked out. Uh, they walked out on a Friday, and then all of a sudden the company decides, okay, okay, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll clean. We'll clean the facility. But our position is, you know, don't just clean, because we, we heard rumors from, from the employees, actually, that, that witnessed the manager asking some of the employees, uh, asking to come in on Saturday, and, you know, they'll, they'll give them $50 if they would clean. You know, we need we need to make sure that we that we have proof that Raimundo's has disinfected the facility, not just clean, because, you know, you, you can't give an employee a, a, a bottle of Windex and say, you know, go, go clean here. No, no, we need to, we need professionals that know how to disinfect so that they can provide a, 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 a clean and healthy facility for workers. Um, as of now, we have not seen any, any proof that, uh, the facility has been disinfected. If it has been disinfected, the company has not uh, uh, provided um, uh, documents to to prove that uh, to to the union or or at least to my knowledge to to, to the employees. Um, but this is a sign that uh, that, that that workers um, uh, take things obviously serious when it comes to their health, and uh, it's unfortunate that companies like Raimundo's um uh d d do not uh, play a role in worker safety in the safety of the people that actually provide the uh um the profits uh for them uh oh i think the majority of the workers at this at this time as as we speak are at home um quarantined quarantined because they they want to make sure that uh, you know, I I I hope that they're not infected, uh, but and they don't know that yet. But they want to make sure that that uh, they don't spread uh, the virus if if they are. So they 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 decided to to stay home. Uh, one of our demands uh, to Raimundo's is uh, um, that if, if if workers are are quarantined uh, with with symptoms, then you know, they have to make sure that they are. Uh, paid that they're paid uh, uh, for being uh, at uh, in quarantine, and if they have to take care of their children, obviously they have to follow the uh, uh, COVID nineteen um, um, uh, regulation. And um, we are in the process of following up with employees. Some employees have have told us that the company agreed to pay them under um, in their quarantine. Other employees. Are telling us that the company is forcing them to uh, to go to work. So 
Um, and, and many of them have said, you know what, uh, I, I, I like my job. I need the money, but I, I need my health first. So, um, I, you know, kudos to, to these workers that, uh, have taken the initiative in, in, in making this company, uh, um, uh, to move in the, in, in the direction of, uh, of, of, of securing a, um, a, a clean and, and healthy place for these workers. Right. And yeah, I understand that was, I, I remember from some of the reports that came out, I think it was two, two workers actually got tested positive for COVID and, and they had worked there for at least a day or a couple of days after the, 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 uh, diagnosis. So they, so they, uh, were, had interacted with, you know, who knows, at least dozens of these, these employees. And so there's a good chance that, you know, a few of these others may have contracted the illness. And so that the, I remember one of the quotes that, you know, you, it was attributed to you was that, well, if they disinfect this facility, but people that are already infected, just come back into the facility, what good is a disinfected facility do if they're just going to bring the disease back into the facility? That's, that's exactly right. And, um, and, and, and we're just afraid to, to hear uh, more, more details uh, from some of the employees. I mean, hopefully we don't hear that other people are infected, but it's, uh, it's a really complicated situation because um, many know of these uh, people that tested positive. And like I mentioned before, they were working side by side, having, having lunch, going on break together. And so the, there's a high, high level of anxiety uh, high level of stress right now with uh, um, uh, these workers, even though they're at home in quarantine, there's still a lot of anxiety because of the fear of uh, maybe having the virus and uh, 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 passing it along to other people in their family while they're at home. So the, the it's extremely, extremely stressful. But a lot of this could have been easily, easily resolved. Um, Look, for starters, the company should have done the right thing in the very beginning. The the, the union uh, through negotiations obviously obviously could have could have uh, presented a, a number of uh, of um, opportunities on how to uh, deal with this crisis. Um, it didn't have to come down to this. It did not have to come down to this. But these are the the the, the decisions that the company uh, uh, did. The, this is what the company. Uh, is um, is responsible for. Um, it could have been a, a different story, but um, um, the reason why it's not a, a, a worse outcome is, again, because the workers took it upon themselves to, to put a stop to it and to stay home. Right. And that's what's, I think, really amazing about this story. And I think this is common with the other stories that we've been hearing, which is um, the the real self activity of workers, because you know, in this case, these workers are organizing, and I, you know, an interesting part of your story, and I'm glad you brought it up too, is, you know, this story is also about the weakness of labor law, right? You talk about how, you know, even though these workers are organized, all that they've had to go through because of the weakness of labor law in this country, you know, that they still have, don't have. You know, they're, even though they're organizing, they won their election, everything, they're still fighting for a decent contract and everything. Uh, so that's an important part of the story as well. But so many of the stories that we're hearing of workers like the Amazon workers and so on that have that have taken action recently are of unorganized workers. Um, so we're hearing a lot of, you know, uh, strikes and, and, and walkouts and so on by workers who are not in unions, but who are taking it upon themselves 
to to take action. Uh, it seems like we're in a whole new era right now in this crisis of worker self-activity. Right. No, you you're you're absolutely right. And you know what? I think that this crisis is putting things into perspective um, uh, with a lot of workers um, that they are not um, a priority like they thought uh, with some of these corporations. Now we could do a show about the squirrels of Bridgeport. I think what we need to focus on... Are you okay? Oh, my God. Kyle, sort through your mail. It's all junk. Just throw it out. No, you pick it up. It can't be strewn all over the entrance. It's a hazard. Last thing we need is another visit from the fire marshal. Last thing I need is less time to do all the crap around here. I gotta do. You have no idea how much stuff... What the flip is their problem? Uh, John's identity got stolen a while back. Say what? Ooh, that's it. That's the show we're going to do about. English, please. On this episode, we're going to do an investigative report on identity theft. Every year, exactly 323 Americans gets their identities took. Size matters investigates. Hang on, did you fact check that? That's the fact that I said the thing. If that figure is exact, then the entire country is a nation of identity thieves. A plausible dystopia indeed. Size Matters investigates. I met up with the host of Radio Free Bridgeport, John Daly, to expose the truth about identity theft. These cool beers. This one's a Rhode Island Dirty hmm. IPA. I never heard try Hello, good sirs. We're recording an episode of Size Matters. I know. I can see that. What's the episode about? Identity theft and the thieves who steal them. I would like to keep that a private matter and the not... The jig is up. How long you been gallivanting around as other people? That, that is not what Who's I... staring oh. the meat suit? The what? This is good stuff. Keep going. Don't agamon. Inspl- explain yourself, imposter. Speak! Someone used my personal information to go on a shopping spree. I think he's lying. That sounds rehearsed Yeah, it me. does. Jess, what the... Ow! Hey, not cool. <laughs> then tell me who you is. My identity got stolen. I wasn't taken over by the body snatchers or the talented Mr. Ripley. Or the thing. The what? what? The 1982 John Carpenter classic or the 1930s classic. So wait, someone stole your credit card. Credit cards, PIN, social security uh, number, all that kind of stuff. Uh, that's kind of boring. I can't do a whole show on that. Don't look at me. I think your concept of identity theft is hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I totally see that now. That's good producing, Jess. Yeah, I'm great. Kyle, just be glad you're incapable of having your identity stolen. How so? No address, no records. What about all the mail? That's right. What? You are on the grid. It's all junk. Credit card offers and social security, what have you. Uh, Hang on. Credit card offers? Yeah. That means you have credit. Wait a sec. How many credit cards do you have? I ain't never had one. I'm checking here on the net to see if you have anything open in your name. Oh, yeah. My suitcase. Calm down, down, Kyle. I can't use my suitcase. I'm using your suitcase because it's what I gotta do. Kyle, you're freaking okay. out. You need okay. to relax. I've never okay. seen him okay. so distraught. John, how long has this guy been using uh, Kyle's info? About 30 years. Whoa. <laughs> Just hold on. Let's see where in Scottsdale, Arizona, this guy lives. Wow. That is a nice piece of property. What? Property? Gets worse. You paid for med school. What? You gotta be Kyle, kidding me. Don't worry. We're gonna kill this middle thing. Yeah, I don't know about that, but. We're going to confront them. I got to go find him. Someone buy me a plane ticket. I made my way to Scottsdale, Arizona. 
where I met up with a man going by the name of Kyle Seismankowski. We agreed to meet up in an industrial park outside of... Ah, crud, the battery on the portable recorder's about to die. I'll talk fast. We agreed to meet up... Hey, Kyle's alive! Boy, what a trip. What a great time I had. Did you end up using the lie? The what? Uh, so is that guy in prison or what? Actually, this jerk turned out to be one of the coolest people I've ever met in my whole life. Say what? Yeah, he's got a great taste in clothes, cars, and his house is so big, I learned a new word to describe it. Palatial. This is the man who stole your information? Not at all. Turns out his name is also Kyle Seismankowski, and he was also born on September 29th, 1946 in Chicago. Well, that's because he ripped you off. No, it turns out it's just a coincidence. Kyle, for years he's been using your credit to establish himself in society while you've been stuck squatting and mooching. Not entirely. No, actually, completely. Now, it just so happens that we have identical social security numbers. The only difference is he actually has a social security card and a birth certificate. You don't? Nope. My dad just wrote all my information down on an index card and told me not to lose it. I gotta go and pack. Excuse me, guys. Wait. I'm confused. If Kyle Seismankowski of Scottsdale, Arizona has proof of who he is... Then who is our Kyle Seismankowski? Size Matters Investigates? This week on The Trump Diaries, a very stable genius suggests injecting bleach, igniting a firestorm, the food supply is in trouble, unemployment soars to 30 million, Trump tries to tank the post office, polls show Republicans fading bigly, the death toll passes Vietnam, and Trump is holed up, watching TV, rage tweeting, and eating fries. These are The Trump Diaries. Day 1191, April 24th. Jobless figures soared again, adding nearly 5 million more people to the rolls. Analysts say this is an undercount. In just one month, more than 26 million people in the U.S. have lost their jobs and filed for unemployment. Economists predict by the summer the unemployment rate will be within range of the 25% peak recorded during the Great Depression, and that the U.S. GDP will shrink by at least 6% this year. Trump claimed that an injection of disinfectants could be a cure for coronavirus. Trump said during a briefing, quote, I see the disinfectant that knocks it out in a minute, one minute. And is there a way we can do something like that by injection inside or almost a cleaning? As you see, it gets in the lungs. It does a tremendous number on the lungs. So it would be interesting to check that. Trump then wondered aloud if you hit the body with a tremendous light inside the body, because the whole concept of the light, the way it kills it in one minute, that's pretty powerful. Trump then pointing to his head continued, I'm not a doctor, but I'm like a person that has a good you know what. He added, so it would be interesting to check that. The comments drew an immediate backlash with Dr. Deborah Burks visibly grimacing behind Trump as he spoke and the makers of Clorox and Lysol rushing to publicly warn against the internal use of disinfectants. The EPA followed with a stern public warning, quote, never apply the product to yourself or others. Do not ingest disinfectant products. Trump was apparently sold on the idea of ingesting bleach by the leader of the Genesis II Church of Health and Healing. In a letter to Trump, the self-proclaimed Archbishop of the Church told Trump that chlorine dioxide, quote, can rid the body of COVID-19 and is a wonderful detox that can kill 99% of the pathogens in the body. 
The church has been marketing a so-called miracle mineral solution as a cure for autism and AIDS. The Justice Department last week told the church to remove the products and stop making false claims. Trump also apparently made the statements after hearing the briefing during which he became increasingly excited and felt the need to demonstrate his own understanding of science. Aides then called it one of the worst days and one of the worst weeks of his presidency. Meanwhile, the White House Press Secretary, Kayleigh McEnany, suggested that Trump's comments were somehow taken out of context. In a related story, the FDA warned doctors against prescribing hydroxychloroquine and chloroquine for the treatment of coronavirus, citing serious heart problems. Scientists cited the heart problems in studies of the drug as a, quote, primary outcome of death and said the findings should, quote, serve to curb the exuberant use of the drug. Prescriptions for the drugs soared during the months that Trump touted it. A study shows their use increased by a factor of 46. More than 40,000 healthcare professionals were first-time prescribers of the drugs in March. Trump owns a small stake in a company that makes those drugs. And Trump has tens of millions of dollars in debt to the Bank of China. Trump Tower in Manhattan was refinanced in 2012 for almost $1 billion, including nearly $200 million from the state-owned Bank of China. That debt matures next year. And in a stunning reversal, the Navy's top officials unanimously recommended that Captain Brett Crozier be restored to the command of the USS Theodore Roosevelt. Captain Crozier was removed after pleading for help to fight the coronavirus on his ship, and he subsequently, of course, got it. Defense Secretary Mark Esper has asked for more time to consider whether to sign off on the move, stunning naval officials. Esper is thought to be waiting to see if Trump will object. Day 1192, April 25th. The blowback from Trump's comments on ingesting bleach continued to rage, with Trump claiming, quote, I was asking a question sarcastically to reporters like you just to see what would happen. This was not true. Trump said his comments unprompted. Trump's statements prompted a surge of calls to poison control centers across the nation, with Maryland forced to issue a warning that, quote, under no circumstances should any disinfectant be taken to treat the coronavirus. Illinois saw a, quote, very serious spike in calls. Joe Biden released a statement saying, quote, I never thought I would have to say this, but don't drink bleach. The Small Business Administration issued new guidance in an attempt to prevent publicly traded companies such as Ruth Chris Steakhouse and Potbelly to access corona relief funds. Large companies tapped out the Paycheck Protection Program, crowding out thousands of small businesses. And while the fund has been replenished, banks say the fund is once again already tapped out. Much, if not all, of the $310 billion will go to those already in the queue. In a win for environmentalists, the Supreme Court rejected Trump's assertions that the Clean Water Act does not require the federal government to regulate groundwater pollutants that reach oceans, rivers, and streams. The court said Trump's position would create, quote, an obvious loophole. Dr. Deborah Birch was sent to convince a reluctant Trump to come out strongly against Governor Brian Kemp's decision to reopen businesses in Georgia. Kemp opened many questionable businesses, including tattoo parlors, bowling alleys, and gyms. Trump subsequently said, quote, it's too soon to reopen, and I disagree strongly with his decision. Trump then claimed his CDC director was, quote, totally misquoted during a live interview with the CDC director. During that interview, Robert Redfield said a second wave of the coronavirus could be worse because it would coincide with the start of flu season. Redfield rebuffed Trump's claims that the interview was fake news and said, I was accurately quoted. Trump said he would not approve an emergency loan for the U.S. Postal Service unless it raised prices for package delivery. Quote, the post office is a joke. The post office should raise the price of package delivery four times. Trump is convinced, despite all evidence to the contrary, that the post office subsidizes Amazon. 
The post office's woes stem from the fact that it is required to hold enormous cash reserves to fully fund its pensions at all times, unlike most other major businesses. The Pentagon is planning a multi-city tour of aviation acrobatics, such as the Blue Angels and the Thunderbirds, to, quote, champion national unity. The Pentagon envisioned the flyovers over cities in the next several weeks to thank first responders. When it was pointed out that crowds usually gather to see air shows, the Pentagon said the flyovers would avoid areas where people could congregate. Day 1193, April 26th. Dr. Deborah Burke said a huge technology breakthrough is needed to screen the United States population on the necessary scale. Current tests also cannot screen for antigens, a critical factor in determining immune response. Currently, of the 14 antibody tests available, only three of them have been shown to be reliable, and even then there remain flaws. Burks added she believes social distancing in the United States will have to stay in place until fall. Following the outrage over Trump's comments about injecting disinfectants, Trump canceled his weekend briefings for the first time in months, claiming, quote, they were not worth the time and the effort. The reaction to Trump's comments forced him to hunker down more than before and surrender the mass viewership he craves. Worth noting is that even some reliable cheerleaders at Fox News have not tried to defend him. The powerful conservative site Drudge Report greeted Trump with ridicule, using the tagline, quote, don't die, maybe. The White House was forced to admit that unemployment levels could approach those seen during the Great Depression. It is currently officially at 16%. The study also showed that America's billionaires added $308 billion to their wealth in four weeks, largely through loopholes created by the bailout legislation. And Trump's response to the pandemic is now being reflected in national polling, where he and Republicans in general are trailing Democrats in all key battleground states. Trump spent Sunday railing about his coverage in the media, asking the Nobel Prize Committee, misspelled, to strip journalists of their prizes in three increasingly unhinged tweets, which he later deleted. Nobels are not awarded to members of the media. He then claimed he was, quote, being sarcastic. Trump does not understand the meaning of that word. The House established a special committee to investigate Trump's response to the pandemic and the multi-trillion dollar government rescue effort. That group will have subpoena power. And Trump stunned administrators at West Point when he said he will give a commencement address. Nearly 1,000 cadets who had scattered across the country will have to return. The June graduation ceremony was postponed because of the coronavirus. Trump apparently decided to give the speech after he felt he was upstaged by Vice President Mike Pence's upcoming trip to the Air Force Academy. Trump then told reporters he hoped the ceremony would, quote, be nice and tight because he does not like the look of social distancing. Day 1194, April 27th. Trump started the day by complaining he is facing hostile questions from the press who, quote, get record ratings. Trump canceled and then rescheduled a briefing for today, and then he announced he would send all 50 states enough tests to screen at least 2% of residents for the coronavirus. Trump made the unexamined claim that testing 2% of each state's population is the minimum needed to maintain public health. The American food supply is in trouble and several Smithfield food processing plants have been forced to close, and farmers are being forced to bury crops. A lack of employees at two plants in Delaware and Maryland led one company to humanely kill two million chickens instead of processing them. Experts are now predicting widespread shortages of a variety of staples. It only took an hour for the Small Business Administration website to crash after the new $310 billion emergency aid fund came online. While local banks process the request, the SBA's e-TRAN system must approve each loan individually. 
arrested because of his first come first surf. The crash left banks in a panic. Some suggest the entire fund may already be exhausted. Trump then attacked Democratic-run states, claiming they are, quote, poorly run, and specifically cited Illinois. He then claimed they shouldn't get assistance. However, Mitch McConnell was forced to back down from a cynical attempt to stall and state and city bailout fund after New York Governor Andrew Cuomo called his bluff. McConnell had said states should declare bankruptcy, which would destabilize the entire world economy. Cuomo took him up on the offer, asking him to introduce legislation immediately, and said he would send Bill to get New York declared bankrupt. McConnell quickly retreated and now claims to be working on a state fund. Democrats are now pushing for a major vote-by-mail provision in the next relief package. The Supreme Court has ruled 8-1. to one. The federal government owes nearly $12 billion in payments to insurance companies who participated in the Obamacare exchanges. Republicans moved to block those risk corridor payments in the Senate in an attempt to sabotage the exchanges. Failing to pay that money led to some insurers backing out. Trump's PR team planted a story in the New York Post claiming Trump's worked so much that he sometimes skips lunch. This peculiar assertion came after an unflattering and confirmed report that Trump has actually spent most of his time stewing over TV coverage and eating fries. Trump is apparently only engaged during his daily press briefing. Day 1195, April 28th. The United States surpassed 1 million known cases of the virus more than anywhere else in the world. The true number of infections could be as much as 10 times higher. The country's death toll now above 53,000 and rising has exceeded the total death toll of both World War I and Vietnam. While the virus appears to be abating in some parts of the United States, major cities like Chicago and Los Angeles show stubbornly high infection rates. Economic news also continues to be grim. The economy shrank in the first quarter at its fastest rate in a decade. Unemployment numbers signal we could hit 20% by next month. The Fed is weighing additional action, including the buyback of outstanding bonds to increase liquidity. Republican and Democratic governors alike have warned of financial Armageddon if Washington doesn't provide relief. Mitch McConnell, however, is insisting Congress limit the liabilities of health care workers and business owners from lawsuits. Democrats have dismissed this as a non-starter. The Treasury said that companies that received over $2 million in small business loans would be audited and could face criminal liability if it turns out they were not eligible to apply for that relief money. Large publicly traded companies swallowed up loans meant for small businesses. Some, such as Shake Shack and the Los Angeles Lakers, returned those monies. However, at least 116 companies have kept them. Trump signed an executive order aimed at keeping meat processing plants open. The order allegedly will use the Defense Production Act to classify meat processing as critical infrastructure. The coronavirus outbreak is threatening the food supply as it has shuttered several plants. Attorney General William Barr has told his prosecutors to look for state and local coronavirus restrictions that, quote, go too far or violate constitutional rights. Barr instructed the Civil Rights Division, along with all 93 U.S. attorneys, quote, to be on the lookout for state and local directives that could be violating the constitutional rights and civil liberties of individual citizens. Conservative Christians have pushed for the move, saying they are restricting parishioners from coming to churches. A strategy memo on coronavirus to candidates from the National Republican Senatorial Committee stated baldly, quote, don't defend Trump. This infuriated Trump, who moved to have it quashed, the 57-page memo went on to advise focusing messaging on China and acknowledging Trump's stumbles. Newly unsealed warrants detailed dozens of contacts between Roger Stone, WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange, and many key figures, 
in the probe of Russian interference in the 2016 election. Stone also apparently orchestrated hundreds of fake Facebook accounts and bloggers. And when asked about the flood of calls to poison control centers in the wake of his on-air touting of injecting bleach into the lungs, Trump claimed he can't imagine why people would think it was a potential treatment. When asked if he would accept responsibility, Trump said, no, I don't. Day 1196, April 29th. America got walloped with grim economic news as the economy shrank at 4.8% in the first quarter. That is the biggest contraction since the 2008 financial crisis. Boeing said it would slash 16,000 jobs after seeing its revenue tumble by 26%. Hertz is reportedly looking to file for bankruptcy as the rental car market has evaporated. Things are predicted to get much worse as widespread layoffs and business closings didn't happen until the very end of last quarter. Economists expect this quarter to show that GDP contracted at an annual rate of 30% or higher. Meanwhile, several states warned workers they will be cut off from unemployment benefits if they refuse to return because they don't feel safe. Coronavirus is not a sufficient enough reason to stay home, according to guidance from the U.S. Department of Labor. Iowa posted a public call for companies to get in touch, quote, if an employee refuses to return to work. A federal trial showed the experimental antiviral drug Remdesivir could speed recovery in patients. Dr. Anthony Fauci said patients given the drug recovered 31% faster, and he hailed those results as highly significant and strong proof of concept. The drug appears to be the first to affect the novel coronavirus. The FDA is likely to give it emergency status. As pressure grows on Trump to halt his daily briefings, Trump claimed the USA will carry out 5 million coronavirus tests per day, quote, very soon. This is a lie. The Trump administration has conducted, in total, 5.7 million tests. Scientists say the USA can only be open safely if 5 million tests a day can be done. Trump later claimed he never said what he in fact did say, calling it, quote, a media trap. Trump said federal social distancing guidelines, which expire tomorrow, will not be extended further. Trump said they'll just be fading out because now the governors are doing it. And Mitch McConnell said the first order of business for the Senate will be to confirm judges. Day 1197, April 30th. The month closed with more bad economic news as unemployment rose to a staggering 30 million people. That means at least 20% of the nation is out of work due to the pandemic. In a breathtaking display, Jared Kushner said the coronavirus crisis was, quote, a great success story and that the federal government rose to the challenge. Kushner made the statements on a day when the death toll hit 61,000 in the United States, exceeding the toll of the total casualties in Vietnam. Kushner also claimed, quote, we're on the other side of the medical aspect of this, and then said the USA would, quote, be back to normal by June and really rocking again by July. Kushner's statements were immediately contradicted by Dr. Fauci, who said a second round of coronavirus is inevitable. Fauci also warned that states were lifting restrictions too early and that could, quote, get us right back in the same boat that we were in a few weeks ago. Meanwhile, Trump is pushing American spy agencies to hunt for evidence to support an unsubstantiated theory that a government lab in Wuhan, China was the origin of the outbreak. Trump has been trying to wage a public campaign to blame China, though genome tests of COVID-19 show the virus clearly came from animal-to-human transmission in a non-laboratory setting. And a former economist at the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau said that Trump's appointees manipulated research to justify reversing payday lending rules. 
Those moves, which the economists called, quote, legally risky and scientifically indefensible, used statistical gimmicks to downplay the harm consumers would suffer if the rules were changed. Payday lenders have backed Trump and are especially close to the DeVos family. Trump lashed out at his own campaign manager, Brad Parscale, after polls showed him trailing Joe Biden by 10 points in several crucial states. Trump ranted the data was wrong, blamed his manager for the fact that he was down in the polls, and then said he would sue. 76% of Americans say they do not trust Trump about coronavirus. 70% of Americans believe shelter-in-place orders are necessary and must come before reopening the economy. 80% say they will not dine in restaurants until a vaccine is found. 91% say they will not attend large concerts or sporting events. And 89% of Americans are now concerned about the U.S. economy collapsing. An analysis of Trump's coronavirus briefings showed that Trump has spent two hours of those briefings attacking the media and his political opponents. He has spent 45 minutes praising himself and four and a half minutes expressing contrition for the 61,000 people who have died. These are the Trump Diaries. Studio A has been closed due to the pandemic. Please enjoy this encore selection from Panda Riot. It was engineered by Ari Shellist.
You're sounding a little worse for wear. Um, yes, I, I just come from a very important meeting that uh, was rather, rather upsetting, um, having to do with uh, some extended family. Hmm. They seem to be just fine. Well, which is which is very upsetting to me. Well, that is an understand. I believe that is a um, a, a mood, as the kids say, or same. Same, I believe, is what the kids say as well. I to think that. I think the kids, I think the the kids at this point would make a would make a Minecraft reference. <clears throat> well, I myself am feeling uh, not quite down, but also uh, a little a little peculiar. Fortnite, um, dance me about it, DF. I I would I would love to, um, in, but but I I simply I don't have the dexterity for it. Regardless, no, no. So I've. I, I routinely go through my computer, looking through the files, trying to clear up space, you know, um, as... Defrag. Et cetera, et cetera. Um, and recently, I was going through my downloads folder, and I saw something very peculiar, um, which is something that I didn't remember downloading. And to be fair... Was it virus.jpg? No, it, 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 I, I, I'm... Even when, even in the depths of blackout drunkenness that I often find myself find myself in I have the ability to know when something is a virus something looks sketchy oh, you've never tried the virus.jpg challenge I I can't say I have I'm not that young um I I I can't, was too old for these so-called for the challenges. challenges for the, <laughs> for the trials um <laughs> to win the cup <laughs> But um, no, I found something really strange, uh, which is it was a it's a 344 megabyte .zip file titled Abyss Boat, in all capital mm. letters, um, and it's just it's been just been sitting there because I don't um, I should just delete it and move on with my life. But at the same time, yeah. what what does it mean? A mysterious zip, a, a mysterious zip in anybody's downloads is 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 you know I believe it's it's the theme of some Edgar Allan Poe. Novel. Well, I mean, how it drives you to insanity. It, it does. It does actually because it's one. It's three hundred forty-four megabytes. That's that's huge for a zip file. Yeah. What what is it? What is it? And then I open it up to try and get a better look, like you know, because you can open it up without actually yeah. extracting it. And it's a .exe. So I'm. What is the .exe called? Abyss boat. All capital letters. There's no readme.txt. Nope. Nope. Mm. Um, and so. The strange, so it it's just there. It's just there, and I'm sure. just uh, I, I'm I want to click it, and I want to open it, and I want to know. But I know the rational part of me should be th- should throw it away, get rid of it. Mm. Um, and I'm just stuck. This is this is right now the most um distressing thing in my life. Now, uh, far far outstripping work, far outstripping um uh you know social cues. Sure. Far it's everything. This is driving me. This is giving me a lot of issues right now. So DF, as somebody that's graduated with one semester of electrical engineering from Columbia University, uh, and I mean obviously that for those of you that don't know, that makes me a, an expert on this such field. Um, I would recommend you go into uh, your program files. Yeah. And there's one file I want you to delete. It's very important. Mm-hmm. I need you. This is going to clear up everything. Yeah. Delete 
Windows.xp. The Lumpen Week in Review is produced by the staff and volunteers of WLPN LP Chicago, the community radio of the future. The Week in Review is overseen by Jamie Trecker, voiceovers by Shannon Van Volt, additional production by Cole Eisenberg, Julie Wu, Sergio Rodriguez, Neil Gaynor, Lane Gerbig, Alexander Jerry, John Piotrowski, Ari Schellist, and Annie Klein. Live music production by Ari Schellist. The Lumpen theme, background, and interstitial music is by Mike Perkins. The Lumpen radio sting is by Dan Jugal. For more information on Lumpen Radio, visit lumpenradio.com. Yeah.